2: Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123.
3: Making Money Sense is on the air. And good morning, and welcome to another Saturday morning edition of Making Money Sense, the Larry Rosenthal Show. My name is Bob Jones, in for the vacationing Chris McKay, and And sitting across from me is not Larry Rosenthal today. Good morning, Dina.
4: I'm Dina Arnett, sitting in for the vacationing Larry Rosenthal.
3: Dina is a co-worker with Larry at uh, Rosenthal Wealth Management and is here to answer all of your financial planning questions today. You can call us at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. Dean, I will tell you, the, the first thing that hit my mind when we were going to do the show together today is that every time I turned on TV at work this week, it seemed there was always one of those breaking news alerts on the TV saying, you know, some economic news this week. This happened, that happened. And to me, most of it looked good. What happened this week that we should be paying attention to
4: well there, you're exactly right. There were a ton of headlines this week i'm going to going to start out talking about the markets and then we'll hit those big headlines uh, also the Fed met this week We'll talk about what they said and then we'll get into some i'm going to call it finance one o one today i've had some i I've had some questions from clients this week, some very, very good questions, and that prompted my 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 study and my prep for today. So, uh, this this week in the markets, the Dow closed at twenty five thousand four sixty two. That's only up half a percent for the week. The Dow is up three for the year the S&P closed at 2840.35 that's up three quarters of a percent the S&P's up six and a quarter for the year the NASDAQ remains our leading index it closed up at 7812.02 up just shy of a percentage point for the week the NASDAQ is up a little over 13% for the year you know uh, these numbers aren't wonderfully different than when I was here a couple of weeks ago. So so we're, we're experiencing a little bit of sideways movement in the market right now. Indices up on the year, positive numbers on all three, but not a lot of movement in any one clear direction for a few weeks now.
3: You and Larry both talk about that term, clarity of direction. So you're saying even after the last couple of weeks, we're not seeing that, Dina?
4: Well, There's still this big question mark around the tariffs. I think that's the thing that's got investors really worried right now. That's the big question mark that if an investor is is teetering on the edge of do I invest or do I not? I think it's skewing them to the not yet side of that question. So um not a lot of guidance there. And the market absolutely wants clarity of direction. We've got clarity of direction from the Fed. We've got clarity of direction in terms of corporate earnings. Corporate earnings are through the roof this year, largely due to the tax cuts that were passed at the end of 2017. We've got inflation that's remaining low and interest rates, although they are climbing, they're still historically pretty low. So that's a very good backdrop for a, a rising stock market, if we didn't have this question of, hey, are we really going to get in a trade war with China? Okay, so 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 there's that. But good news abounds. That that one big question mark aside, probably the biggest, most eye catching headline of the week is Apple. Apple stock became the first U.S. company to hit one trillion dollars in value. That's
3: a lot of zeros, Dina.
4: <laughs> it's it's twelve zeros. Oh I counted, my, them. You counted them. Yes, uh, shares of Apple closed Friday at just a penny under two hundred eight dollars a share. Pop quiz for you, Bob. If you'd invested oh my a thousand dollars in Apple stock back in December of nineteen eighty when they went public okay. at twenty two dollars a share. How much money do you think you'd have today
3: well you said over 200 so at least 10 times that would you have a million dollars
4: you're going in the right direction but, <laughs> but still, you're not there i'm still on the on-ramp okay you're, you're still on the on-ramp definitely because since 1980 yeah okay 38 years mm-hmm. apple stock has split multiple okay. times <laughs> so the value of your e- of your individual share in in 1980 that, that was be-
3: one share to begin one with. share
4: that was one share to begin with would be many many shares today <laughs> and those many many shares if you just held them and not gotten spooked out at, at different points $1,000 in 1980 in Apple stock today would be worth 8.9 million dollars <laughs>
3: That is a success story.
4: It would be. It absolutely would be. There's (laughs) a lot to – go ahead. I'm sorry. It it makes me think of of Forrest Gump. I invested my money in some fruit company.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Boy, doesn't that make that – what was one of the first things I heard back when I started investing 30 years ago was buy and hold? Absolutely. Can you imagine people buying and holding, like you said, Apple in the 80s?
4: (sighs) I think that was more common then and i'll tell you why in think back to the 80s okay in 1980 i'll try it's been a long time for all of us um in 1980 i was 10 years old okay and i remember the first desktop computer coming out and i remember really wanting one i had no idea what i might do with it but i wanted one because it was cool right So in 1980, we didn't have computer terminals on our desks. We didn't have tablets and smartphones and all of that kind of thing. If we bought a stock, we went to our broker and we said, hey, I want to buy a thousand shares of Apple stock. We gave them the money. The broker wrote out by hand a trade ticket. A little slip of paper. And took it to their operations department. The operations department had to pick up the phone and call Wall Street and place the order, right? So to sell a stock in those times was a similarly lengthy process. I don't think people were as concerned then about... Oh, I've got a time in and out of this. Oh, I just got a bad headline. I need to sell my stock.
3: <laughs> we didn't have there time was, to worry about there was, things like that. There
4: was, we didn't have the technology, technology to get yes. the news the way that we do now. So you'd buy a stock, you'd hold it, and you'd get your statements every month or every quarter, and you'd move on with life. Mm-hmm. I think people are far less inclined to do that now because, hey – I can I can pull up CNBC on my little Samsung smartphone, <laughs> and I can know what the headlines are, and That's and if I am so inclined, which I'm not, by the way, to trade my investments on some headlines that I see, I can do it from my phone.
3: I did that last week, Dina. That it's it's funny how I remember buying a mutual fund thirty some years ago. It was all by mail.
4: And well, it's <laughs> a process. It was right? a
3: process. It was a mail. I believe there was an application, and now. Um, I think it was last week I did, you know, I I dabble, which means Mm -hmm. very little money. Um, I don't want to call it play money because it would be important if I lost it, but a a couple of dollars and a couple of stocks and I got rid of one of them Mm -hmm. and I did it on my computer at work and it took four seconds, you know, and that's so much different than, you know, the technology has changed. I think not only the way we get in and out of the markets, but also the information that we get and how quickly we use it. That's certainly different than it was. 30 years ago as well.
4: When I first started investing, I was 24 years old or so, and we had to go to the broker's office and sit down and meet with him, and he was our source of information. He would call us and he would say, hey, I've got a great stock for you to buy. I've been researching this, and here's what I know about it. We didn't have a mechanism, at least not as easily as we do now. We didn't have a mechanism to go and confirm or refute what the broker was saying. We had to take his information and and act on it or no.
3: Yes or no was all you were very, there to say.
4: Very, cool. very different world that we're in right now. And so, in some ways, eh, maybe not the best, right? Because I think so many times people do trade their 401k plans or their IRAs or their stock portfolios on headlines that they see in their momentary headlines. They're making a a permanent decision based on temporary news, and so many times those moves turn out to be bad ones. If you could set it and forget it, as with the Apple stock Mm -hmm. back in 1980, chances are you do better.
3: You are listening to Making Money Sense, the Larry Rosenthal show with our... Host today, Dina Arnett, in for the vacationing, Larry Rosenthal. If you have a question about financial planning or retirement planning, please give us a call now at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-ROSE-123, 855 767 Two, three Dina, there was a whole lot of news this week that was we were talking about just That's a few right. minutes ago, and it seemed like every time I was watching cable television this week, there was a breaking news banner on the TV, and then some economic news, yep. um, employment, money, earnings all this week. Can you sort that out for us?
4: Well, I've got some bullet points for you. One of the big reports this week was the unemployment report. In July, the economy added 157,000 new jobs. That sounds like a really big number, especially at this stage of the economic expansion. It was a little bit below analysts' expectations, but the unemployment rate fell back down to 3.9%. In, Im- embedded in that jobs number, the, the notable gain was in the manufacturing sector. 37,000 of those jobs were added in manufacturing. Wage gains were in line with expectations, so real wages rose by 0.3% in July. That's an annualized rate of 2.7% over the last year. That's a very important number because we saw stagnant wages for well over a decade. We saw inflation going up and wages remaining flat. So now we've got some wage growth in the equation. Would like to see that wage growth bigger because right now the wage growth is is keeping up with current inflation, but not much more. So, is that
3: is that the number or the report that you pay the most attention to or among the most attention to? It's,
4: it's in my list yeah. of things. I don't have really one report that is or one metric that is the most important. But there's a whole list of them that when you put them together, it paints a picture.
3: And this is one that you were waiting for. You Absolutely. For, okay, good. Absolutely. I just it want is, to see where
4: we're at with this. It, 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 it's, it's part of the puzzle okay I, I look at inflation. I look at what the Fed is doing with interest rates. I look at housing starts. I look at applications for new mortgages. I look for corporate earnings um, uh, unemployment did i say unemployment mm-hmm. um, so there's there 's a whole uh, sort of alphabet soup of stuff.
3: And I look at wages. <laughs>
4: well, Listen, as as a consumer, as yep. an employee, as a as a person with a family to feed, yes. I absolutely look at the wages, too. Right. As as in that role, the wage number is hugely important to me, as it is to you, as mm-hmm. it is to all of our listeners.
3: Well, I think most of us feel like all we've been doing, and you made a very good point about keeping pace with mm-hmm. inflation. I think many workers feel they're just treading water Dina, so when you just said what you said, you make it sound like, hey, maybe we're going, you know, in the right direction now instead of just even or is it too early to say something like that?
4: You know, we've had a couple of good wage reports. Yeah. The first one came at the end of January. And in fact, uh, we, we've talked about this. The the markets were up six percent in January. It was a continuation of the gangbuster 2017 that we saw. And at the end of January, the market turned south rather abruptly. And it was because the economic news that we got, believe it or not, was too good. We had a real wage report that was higher than we had had in a very, very long time. And it made investors really nervous that that inflation was heating up, that the Fed was gonna raise interest rates more rapidly, and that the stock market party we've had for the past nine years was coming to a close that's why things sort of fell off a cliff earlier this year. We got that great number at the end of January. We got another fairly positive number uh coming out of July. And and the interesting thing is even though we we are seeing wages moving ahead, even though we're seeing corporate profits increasing, there's not this 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 sign that we have an overheating economy, this this tsunami of inflation that we all feared would come as a result of all of the fiscal stimulus at the at during the recession that that. Tsunami of inflation just has not materialized. We have been very slow, very steady. My favorite term to describe our economy these past nine years, a healthy tortoise. There's not been a lot of fast movement, and that has been a very good thing. Um, a, a, a big, rising, impenetrable wall of inflation coming out of that recession would have just been a, a, a just a whammy on us all. But we
3: got spoiled. We did. We got spoiled. So a healthy tortoise tortoise which a generation ago we all would have said wow great we're a healthy tortoise now maybe not so much you know
4: uh you know i i can't complain about a double digit year like we had last year we've had a handful of very nice years to make up for what happened to all of our portfolios to to many of our checkbooks to to many of our housing values <laughs> yes, yes. in the 08 recession we've had a very good albeit somewhat slow, come back from all of that. And I, I'm okay with slow and steady. Mm-hmm. I really am. One of the one of the things that people don't talk about a lot when we're talking about economic news and economic data and trying to read these tea leaves, one of the things that we don't hear an awful lot about is this underemployment rate. We talk about the employment rate being 3.9 percent, but there's a, another metric. Uh, the underemployment rate measures those who are out of work and those who want full-time jobs but are only working part-time.
3: Underemployed. Right. I understand. Yeah.
4: So that rate Here's here's a number for you. That rate hit a post-recession low of seven and a half percent in July. So you throw together those who are out of work with those who are working less than they want. That number today is seven and a half percent. In June, it was seven point eight. So that's a nice downward movement in, in an important metric that I don't think gets a lot of press.
3: But you part of what you have to do to help your listeners, your consumers is do just that. You can't just read the headline. You have to read the story
4: we do and yeah. and at at Rosenthal Wealth Management Group we we meet our, our what we call our investment policy team we meet once a month and we go through all of the nuts and bolts, wow. we really get in the weeds on this data because we don't want any surprises any more than you do. Mm-hmm. We want to advise our clients what we see coming. We want to advise our clients appropriately, whether it's time to change direction on the investments or even in the face of volatility, if you should just wait it out. Real and,
3: quick. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
4: And I was just going to say, and, and being able to get in the weeds and interpret that data is very important to the recommendations and the advice that we give.
3: Feel free to join in on the conversation on the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense, with our host today, Dina Arnett. Call us now at 855-ROSE-123, 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. What other good news do you have for us, Dina? Well,
4: let me just wrap up uh, on the economic news. In a nutshell, inflation is still low. Corporate earnings are high. Unemployment is low. It has been nine years since the, the end of the '08 recession. And we may have another year or more to go before we see the economy sort of flatline and then start turning toward the next recession. I think it is. I think it is important at this particular stage that investors look at the risk level in their portfolios. I'm talking to every single person that I meet right now, and saying, "Look, we need to evaluate the risk." I don't. I'm not as concerned about risk if the market's going up because most times more risk means more return. But if I'm facing a, a Slow growth market or if I'm potentially facing a a market that could go down in the next year or two, I don't want more risk in in the portfolio. I want to be able to manage that. And we're at a point in time right now where, hey, we can do that without any pain. We can take a look and we can make plans for when the markets and the economy turn.
3: You're preparing now for what we should be doing several months down the road. Absolutely. Let's take a call, if we can, real quick uh, from Bowie. Maryland, it's Arnita.
4: Yes, Nina Arnita
3: has a questions about her TSP, the Government Savings Plan, and mutual funds. Good morning, Arnita. And whoops, we'll try this again. Good, well, exactly. morning, Arnita.
4: Good morning, Arnita. Hi, Arnita. How are you, dear? I'm wonderful. Thank you. What can I do a for you? Couple Sure. Well, the TSP. Okay. And we've we've talked about this before, but maybe your listeners would like to know where should right now, should we be putting our uh, our money investing in the C S I G, the L F I mean where should we really be putting our money?
3: How about in the B O B. How about that one?
4: Okay. No, I'm, uh, Arnita, I'm gonna shut his microphone off. Yeah, shut him down. <laughs> <laughs> Arnita, you know what? That is a wonderful question because in this area of the country, we have so many listeners, so many clients who are federal government employees. And the TSP, the Thrift Savings Plan, is the federal government's equivalent of an employer's 401k plan. Um, if you're on the FIRST, the Federal Employee Retirement System, you're getting a 5% match on your contributions. So let me say this first. If you are a FERS employee and you are not contributing at least 5% to your thrift savings plan, you're losing out. Contribute at least 5%. In terms of the mix of the available investments, that is dependent on a couple of things, are needed. That's dependent upon how close to retirement you are. It's dependent on your risk tolerance, and it's dependent on the return that you need over time for your financial plan to be successful. So I'm not going to give a specific recommended allocation because it's on a person-by-person basis. But I will, I will say this, Arnita, and you and I have talked about this. The F fund, the fixed income fund, is a bond fund, and bond funds tend to lose value when interest rates go up. Right now, we're in a period where we expect the Federal Reserve to keep raising interest rates. They met this week. They kept interest rates steady, but they have laid the groundwork that when they meet in September, they're likely to raise them again. If I were to make a comment on TSP funds and and make a general comment that could apply to a lot of listeners, I would say, Be careful about the F fund right now. I don't think now is a good time to be in that fund because of the rising interest rate environment we're in. Okay. All right. What's your other question, Arnita? Mutual funds. Mm -hmm. Because I'm hearing information
1: about uh, investing in uh, uh, growth funds and international and like four different
4: types of funds. Yes, ma'am. You know what? You could not have set up the rest of the show any better for me if you tried. And we didn't plan this, Bob. <laughs> I am no, I am actually, needed today for the rest of the show, I'm gonna be talking about different types of investments. What's the good and the bad of mutual funds? Exchange traded funds. And a type of fund that we've heard of but maybe don't really understand, a closed-end fund. So I'm going to tell you, Arnita, we're going to talk about the mutual funds here in a little bit, so stand by.
1: Okay, thank you so
2: much.
3: It's I think we call that in radio a tease, Arnita, li- uh, in that we're going to have that information for you. We've got another call that we want to take. Thank you for calling today, Arnita, and please stay in touch, you're okay? Welcome, Bob. All the best thank to you. you. We have a question now from Frank in Springfield. Uh, this looks like a little complicated question to me, um, Dina, about owning real estate and putting it within an IRA. Frank, good morning. You're on the air with Dina on Making Money Sense.
4: Hi, Frank. Hi. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you today? Good. I just had a question. Thinking about purchasing a
1: uh, actually a third home, and I was one. I'd never thought about this before, but within my IRA. Let's say, let's just say, I have a million dollars. Could I buy a, let's say, a five hundred thousand dollar home, and have that as a real estate asset in the IRA without triggering anything, and not having any beneficiary problems?
4: So, that's a re- <laughs> it is a complicated question, and and I'm going to say it is it is even more complex than beneficiary issues and and all of that. So. First of all, to invest in real estate within an IRA, you have to find a custodian who's willing to hold it for you. Not all custodians will accept real estate as an investment in the IRAs, so uh, you, you'll have okay. to do some research on that. If okay, you
1: someone someone large like like Vanguard would not
4: do that. I don't think Vanguard does, but don't hold me to that. That would definitely be a a question to ask. And actually, you can do an Internet search for custodians who do IRAs, do real estate within IRAs. So um, it would be a self-directed IRA. Um, There can be advantages to holding real estate in an IRA, but... In, in my opinion, the, the the disadvantages outweigh the advantages. So your distributions from a traditional IRA are 100% ordinary income, meaning that whatever distribution you take in retirement to fund your lifestyle, you're paying income taxes at your current income tax bracket. If you own real estate outside of an IRA and you liquidate that real estate, you pay the much lower capital gains rate on, on the profit from that real estate. There's a big difference in the capital gains rate and your ordinary income tax rate. That aside, that aside, there are so many prohibited transactions that could result in a complete taxation of your IRA. And if you're under age 59 and a half, that could mean that 10% penalty as well. The most common... Uh, prohibited transaction is this whole thing called personal use or self-dealing if you're an ira owner you cannot use that property for personal or business use your spouse can't your children can't your parents can't that means you can't use vacation homes you can't rent to relatives you can't flip homes it gets really really sticky and if you're gonna go that route frank Get some good advice from a custodian who does this as a normal line of business. Because if you don't, right. the, the complications get really expensive.
1: Right. The, the, my thinking was this. The reason I asked the question was, if I take the money out of the IRA, let's say take $400,000 out of the IRA, then that's fully taxable.
4: Oh, yeah I, I yeah. I hate that idea. Yeah, I hate that idea. I don't like yeah, that okay. idea either. But if you're if you're looking for a way to invest your IRA money, I think there are far less pitfalls using traditional investments for that money than real estate.
3: Right. Okay, I appreciate your com- your comments and advice. Thank you so much.
4: Have a great day.
3: Frank, thank you very much for calling. You're not a fan of taking money out of an IRA basically for most any reason then
4: well no frank was asking about taking four hundred thousand dollars in his example to buy a house so he's exactly right if i take four hundred thousand dollars out of a traditional ira to buy a house i'm paying enormous federal and state income taxes to do that if i'm under 59 and a half years old i'm tacking on a 10 percent irs early distribution penalty on top of all of that so no if 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 the objective is to buy a house with ira money pretty much the i and i even hate to say it this way <laughs> but the of the two options the better is to buy the house within the ira but you've got to realize this is a high and deep subject and You don't know what you don't know because there are prohibited transactions. You can't have any other investments in the IRA. If you've got a house in the IRA, that can be the only thing held in the IRA. You can't have a house and the mutual funds and the stocks all in one account. It
3: does get complicated. It
4: gets very complicated.
3: That's where someone like you comes in.
4: Uh, yeah. I, I, in a case like that, I would say go to an expert on IRA real estate investing. I am not that. Don't want to be that because (laughs) it is, as I keep saying, high and deep.
3: Dina, I'm going to suggest we take a quick break here. We promised Arnita some information about mutual funds just a few minutes ago. That's right. I have got my notepad ready because I like this, this, um, topic that you're getting me to go on. It brings me back to my day's, um, 30-some years ago when I was starting mutual funds for my then infant son, my very young son, and and things have changed. And I know just from talking to you before... We got started on the show today that things have changed and how we can approach mutual funds. And there were a lot more choices even today than there were a year or two ago, let alone 30 years ago. Let me remind you that you are listening to Making Money Sense, the Larry Rosenthal Show. Today's host is Dina Arnett. Feel free to call us if you have a financial planning or retirement-related question at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. And I'm going to see if I can run a break on Chris McKay's board. What do you think?
4: Hit a button and see what happens.
3: Let's find out. We'll try. Well, maybe not.
4: <laughs> it's always fun when the producer goes on vacation, right?
3: See, there's music, so I know I'm doing something right. There you we'll go, Bob. this out. Join us back in about a minute. Have uh, some information ready for you on mutual funds. Please stay tuned. You are listening
2: to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. Housing prices and
1: interest rates have started to move up. This may be your last chance to take advantage of low rates and housing bargains. If you're considering purchasing a home within the next year, you need to call Troy Terreau at McLean Mortgage First to take advantage of his Loan First program. This can give you a winning bid over the competition, even when you come up against cash offers. The Loan First program will have you fully pre-approved so that you understand all aspects of your loan before you start looking for your dream home. Buy in confidence when you have your Loan First certificate, which shows the seller... Your loan is already pre-approved, and they can avoid any unnecessary negative surprises at settlement. Troy's been helping homeowners for over 20 years in the D.C. metro area, and he and his team are ready to help you. Call him today at 571-490-7117. That's 571-490-7117 for your loan-first pre-approved certificate. 571-490-7117. Or simply visit his website at anyhomeloans.com. Remember, you want control when you're making an offer on a home. Get your loan-first certificate. Call Troy Tarrou at McLean Mortgage, 571-490-7117.
3: Troy Tarrou and McLean Mortgage Corporation's NMLS number 5618 and 99665. Have you ever wanted to be part of something big? Nonprofit organization called Stars Children Africa. Do you want to be a part of something that changes a child's life? Orphans who are high school age who would not have a chance to get education otherwise. Now you can be part of something that brings hope. What we do is we actually pay for the school fees for about the cost of a new suit you can change an orphan's future for a whole year we pay for the school fees and that averages around 500 to 550 dollars a year total that means food lodging the teaching the education part the the uniform that whole thing call now 703-201-2494 or go to starschildrenafrica.org
0: for a dollar and a half a day one child would be educated for that year in high school
3: 703-201-2494 call right now for 500 a year you can change an orphan's life 703-201-2494 for more information about how Larry and his team can help you, go to LarryRosenthal.com. That wasn't too bad for a rookie. Good morning. <laughs> You're listening to Making Money Sense, the Larry Rosenthal Show. My name is Bob Jones, in for the vacation, in Chris McKay and Larry Rosenthal is also on vacation today so in with us in the studio today is Dina Arnett from the firm of Rosenthal Wealth Management Dina, real quick I know we promised our need of some information about mutual funds but I do know from talking to Larry earlier this week there's a lot going on at your office as well some behind-the-scenes things that we certainly want to make sure our listeners know about as well the one that really excited me is everything that's going on on the website right now can you bring us up to date
4: you know we've been working for a while now to update and upgrade the Rosenthal Wealth Management Group website and we are live. The the website has a new look. It has more information on it and it also at the bottom of the homepage has all the links for our existing clients to find their financial plan and their investments. There's All sorts of of information on there. If you want to know more about the things that we're talking about on the radio today, there are educational links. And there's also a link there that if you want information about meeting with a Rosenthal Wealth Management Group advisor, you can request to have our office contact you and set that meeting up.
3: We can do that all online now, correct?
4: We absolutely can. And
3: you can call us now if you'd like as well, if you'd like to talk to Dina, 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. Dina, let's talk mutual funds. Arnita asked about it earlier in our show. You and I were talking about it even before the show started. Mutual funds has been, to me, I think an entry-level way for a long, long time for people to be mentally and physically um, invested in the stock
4: market. Absolutely. Mutual funds, and in fact, if you have an employer 401k plan or you're investing in a 403b plan, maybe you're a teacher or you work for a hospital, if you have a 457 plan, you're, you're a public servant, you have mutual funds in those retirement plans. And we've had them in the retirement plans for decades now. And lots of people say, yeah, I'm putting money in these things, but I don't know what they are. So I want to spend uh, the rest of our time today talking about three very popular types of investments, what they are, the pros and the cons, so that you can go out and, and have a little more... Um, a little more information so that you are equipped to make better investment decisions so the first one I'm going to talk about today of course is mutual funds Um, and Arnita and I did not plan that segue (laughs) at all Um, Arnita and I have been working together for a while now and she still is asking questions which I love I absolutely love that so on mutual funds there are two types that you need to be aware of first of all there are actively managed mutual funds and there are index funds on actively managed funds. The only thing you need to know about this is that there is a person's picture picture a, a a guy or a girl or a team of guys and girls in front of their computers watching the little. The little flashes of red and green as stocks go up and stocks go down. Their job is to pick the stocks that go into the mutual fund. They are actively on a daily basis deciding what securities that mutual fund will hold and which ones they will sell.
3: Human influence.
4: Human influence. That's an actively managed fund. An index fund is the opposite of that. Most index funds are run by computer because, guess what? The index very rarely changes. An S&P 500 index. Pop question, Bob, how many stocks are in an S&P 500 index?
3: It's not 500.
4: It is 500. I knew that. (laughs) (laughs) And, And guess what? Those stocks remain fairly consistent over time. Once in a while, a stock will get delisted because... Maybe the company goes out of business or the company underperforms something, something like that. But an index fund is not actively managed. There's not a person at the switch all day, every day deciding what the fund's going to hold. Another pop question. Uh Uh-oh. Actively managed or index fund, which is less expensive for you as an investor to own?
3: I would guess index funds because of the lack of human influence on that fund.
4: You got that one right. So I'm now in the
3: Hall of Fame. I got one for two. (laughs)
4: Uh, Well, we're we're not inducting you just yet, Bob. Okay. So, two types of mutual funds actively managed and index funds. All mutual funds have an inherent fee associated with them. Mutual funds are for-profit entities. Mm -hmm. Mutual funds have, if you don't know where to look for it, it's, it's a hidden, it's a mysterious fee, but there are fees built into the funds. So if you're very, very fee conscious, and that is your number one metric on selecting a mutual fund, you may prefer an index fund over actively managed.
3: Are we talking a significant amount of difference or just a little amount of difference?
4: Well, it can be significant. significant. So if you have an actively managed international emerging markets mutual fund.
3: Sounds pretty specialized.
4: Sounds complicated, right? Yes. There's a lot of research that goes into... Those types of, of investments. If we're looking at an overseas company in a very small country, the fund family has to go to that country in a lot of cases. They interview the board of directors. They they hang out at the company, and they make some judgment calls on the company based on the data that they find. That's more expensive. So if I'm looking at an actively managed, in this example, foreign emerging markets <laughs> stock fund, That's absolutely going to be more expensive than buying the emerging markets index. You may be looking at one and a half or one and three quarters percent internal management fee versus maybe a point eight percent internal management fee on the index. A
3: one percent difference, which over the cost over the period of time could be a significant amount of money.
4: Absolutely. So I said if that's your number one metric, it doesn't need to be your number one metric. Cost isn't the only factor but it's certainly a starting point for figuring out if the mutual funds you're looking at are ones that you want to consider further. So there are a lot of advantages with mutual funds. A mutual fund allows you to invest in a lot of securities at one time. It allows you with one purchase to have diversification. We talk a lot about diversification because it helps you to spread out the risk. That's the big deal with diversification mutual funds on on the actively managed side they also offer expert management Mm -hmm. so many of us don't have the time all day every day to research and truly understand what makes these funds work
3: and even if we had the time to look at it to understand it is another question
4: well and and some people tell me dina i don't want to do this i don't I could probably learn it, but I don't want to. I have other things to do. Mutual funds are very highly liquid. If I buy a mutual fund today and I decide one week from today that I don't like it and I want to sell it, I can. There's nothing stopping me. It's called a redemption. I don't have to have someone on the other side of that equation buying the fund from me. You just sell it. I just sell it. They're very convenient. Mutual funds are very easy to buy. You can buy them as we were talking earlier, on the computer from your cell phone. (laughs) If you want to do old school and call up and do it, you can still do that. But mutual funds are very, very convenient. They offer you the ability to automatically reinvest the interest and dividends that you receive. That's one way you make money on a mutual fund. If I buy a mutual fund and it's paying me a 3% a year dividend, I want to use that dividend every time it it is awarded and buy more shares of my mutual fund. That, that's another way to build wealth. There are tons of mutual fund objectives out there. If I wanted to put together a fully diversified investment portfolio with 10 different asset classes, I wanted some bonds, I wanted some stocks. Large, medium, small stocks, domestic, foreign mutual funds, there there are enough mutual funds out there to do that. We don't
3: have to just say, I want to buy the S&P 500 anymore. We can say, I just want to buy tech stocks. Yes. I just want to buy manufacturing stocks. Yes. I just want to buy broadcast media stocks. And I can do that now in a mutual fund.
4: Absolutely. Okay. We were talking about Apple stock earlier. If yeah. I wanted to buy Apple stock, it's $209 a share. If I want to buy 10 shares of Apple stock, it's over $2,000. I can go buy a mutual fund that has Apple stock in it, and maybe it also has Google and Microsoft and Facebook and Netflix and all these techie things that I like. I can buy mutual funds for as little as $50 a month. Oh, wow. Yeah, and and I'm getting a piece of all of those different stocks. So we've got diversification. It also
3: limits your risk, too. I mean, what comes up sometimes must go down. So instead of just buying one stock, you're spread out over the whole sector of the market.
4: Well, that's diversification. So advantages of mutual funds, diversification, expert management, liquidity, convenience, reinvesting the income, and a whole range of investment options that are way more affordable than going out and buying individual stocks. Mm -hmm. Right. So Makes sense that, to me. it all sounds really good, right? So far, right? And is if there another shoe? If that's all I ever told you about mutual funds, you would think that it was the best thing since sliced bread.
3: Let me sign up. Where do I sign up? However, however,
4: there are pros and cons. There's no perfect investment, mm-hmm. so we have to talk about the disadvantages. First of all, you have no control over what's held in that mutual fund.
3: That's right. You're paying for a share for someone else to say this is what goes in this fund.
4: That's right. You take the good with the bad. I have some clients who will call me and they'll say, look, there are certain uh, certain moral convictions that I have, and I don't want to invest in anything that supports alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. I don't want Philip Morris in my portfolio. But if I look at large company mutual funds, lots of them mm-hmm. hold it. Mm-hmm. So that is that is one disadvantage of a mutual fund. You don't get to pick what that fund manager is going to buy or sell. This is a little uh, disadvantage number 2 is a little a little more complicated to understand, so stay with me on this. It's the capital gains issue. Now, if this is in a 401k or other tax deferred retirement plan, this is a non-issue. But if you're buying mutual funds just in a brokerage account and it's not in a retirement account, you're going to have a capital gains issue, uh, something that's going to go on your tax return every single year. In a mutual fund, you get taxed when the fund distributes the gains it made from selling a holding within the fund. Okay. So, if if mutual fund abc bought home depot 5 years ago and today decides to sell home depot right the gain that the mutual fund made over
3: that 5 years over that
4: 5 years gets distributed to shareholders if you've only held this mutual fund for 6 months guess what you just got distributed again as if you had held it for, for 5, five years. years right so it can be if if you're not watching out for it It can be a big surprise come tax time. We've already talked about the fees and expenses. Some mutual funds, in addition to that annual operating expense, sometimes mutual funds will charge you a fee to put your money in. That's called a front-loaded mutual fund. That's not a no-load. So there are mutual funds out there, and a lot of times they will have the letter A on the end of them. A letter A on the end of a mutual fund means it's a front loaded fund. You're paying a fee to put your money in. Okay. Sometimes mutual funds are over diversified. Over diversified? Yes. How yes. so? Well, I saw a mutual fund one time that had over a thousand individual holdings in it.
3: That sounds like too many. To That's me. a
4: lot. Yeah. Um, we, I, I knew an advisor one time who said there's diversification and there's diversification.
3: That sounds like maybe an example of the second one, unless they had a real goal with those one thousand stocks, but that just sounds like a lot. You would miss out on some gains, you'd miss out on some losses. It sounds like well, it's just it's, treading water maybe
4: it's It's sort of like it's sort of like putting uh, uh those little mio drops in your bottle of water mm-hmm. okay. If I put one mio drop in my bottle of water, I'm probably not going to taste it right. Right. The same thing happens with a mutual fund that has too many holdings. If I've got a thousand holdings in this mutual fund and one of my thousand holdings goes up by 20 percent, how much do you think it's going to move the entire mutual fund? Very, very little. Tiny little bit yes. of movement. So we need to make sure that when we're looking to purchase mutual funds, we understand the cost structure, we understand the potential capital gains exposure, and we understand how many holdings are being held within the fund. We need to understand if, if we've got a really hot stock market, as we did last year, I want as much of that upside as I can get. And an overly diversified fund may not give me as much bang for the buck as I want. Okay. And the last uh the last disadvantage of a mutual fund is what I'm going to call cash drag. Mutual funds need to keep a certain amount of cash in the portfolio to satisfy redemptions.
3: Oh, that's right. Okay. If I gave you $100 but then someone wanted $10 back, it had to come from somewhere.
4: It does. Yes. So, Um, we have to look at how much cash the portfolio is holding as well because, again, in a good market, that may drag the performance. So there's, there's more to a mutual fund that meets the eye. And if you are an investor who's been investing in mutual funds and i just said a whole bunch of stuff that you had no idea about maybe it's time to sit down and evaluate what you're doing i offer to to anyone who calls or emails or sends us a a message from the website i'll do that evaluation for you at no cost i'll tell you about the expenses you're paying i'll tell you about the cash drag i'll tell you about the diversification and i'll talk to you about the risk that you're taking and make sure it's appropriate
3: dina for the younger listener that's listening today is mutual funds the best beginning way to invest outside of whatever plan they may have available at work based on what you said earlier today I'm going to assume when we had Frank calling about the TSP and you said you've got to at least match what your employer is offering Mm -hmm. so if it's 2% or 5% or whatever that part of your salary might be to get what the employer matches I'm going to guess that's step number one.
4: Step number one is always, always put in at least what the employer matches because you're leaving money on the table if you don't. If you're a young person who's looking to start investing beyond – what your employer plan offers. Mutual funds can be a great place to start. If I can make the assumption that as a young person, you're on the front end of your career, money is not exactly plentiful, Mm -hmm. but you're looking to make the best of, of each dollar. A mutual fund can be a great place to start because again, lots of mutual funds will allow you to invest as little as $50 a month. So that's more practical than waiting and saving up until you've got two thousand dollars to buy 10 shares of apple stock
3: but dean it's so hard when you're i'm going to suggest 23 or 24 years old just out of school first job and of course most of us now are facing a huge amount of student loan debt the second they graduate and then we're thinking I'm 24 years old, but I've got to think about when I'm 69, you know, 45 years down the road. um, It's kind of hard, I think, for a certain generation maybe to grasp that and maybe just as hard as it was a generation ago.
4: Well, it, it is hard because especially living in the D.C. metro area, housing costs are high. Um, uh, uh, food costs are high. Often you're putting a lot of gas in your car to commute
3: transportation costs. It's, yes. It, you Bus know, there, fare, there's, metro fare. There's, yes.
4: there's so much that, uh, that you're paying out. So I would say that the first thing is to establish the correct mindset and the correct mindset is that you pay yourself before you pay anyone else.
3: You and Larry have both said that. The 10%, 10%, 80% deal, keep 80% to live on, 10% savings, 10% investment? Is that what it was?
4: Well, savings and investment, you know, 10% donate. Tithing and tithing. That's right. 10% tithing, 10% saving and investment, and 80% to live on. That's a great starting Mindset. You may find that because of the lifestyle you wish to live somewhere down the road, ten percent isn't enough savings. Correct, but it's a great starting point. But always, if there are any young listeners out there, pay yourself first. Do not sell yourself short. Don't make any other debt more important than than the 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 debt to yourself.
3: I think I may have told you this story before. And we do have time to take your phone call if you'd like to call us now to talk about investing. 855-ROSE-123 gets you in to talk to Dina here on the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. And uh, I just want to say that um, many years ago when I was a youngster in that age range that we were just talking about, I remember going to a bank that no longer exists because it's been bought out and talking to a person that said, you know, wanted to interest me in investing. And I said, no, I've got a long way to go. And, of course, that long way to go became longer and longer and longer. And I finally started. But I do wish that back, you know, when I was 20 years old, that I listened to the guy at First Virginia Bank and just put aside what sounded like a small amount of money, Dina, $10 mm. a week, $25 a month, whatever it was, Yes. and look about how it just compounds over the years to get you um A healthy, comfortable, possibly worry-free retirement.
4: Well, and it also, as a young person, it's difficult to think about what you're going to be doing 30 years down the road. No kidding. But it's, or 30
3: it, minutes down the road. The,
4: the more practical application here is that you need money set aside for emergencies or opportunities that come up. That's a, that's a more near-term thing. And if you've got the $10 a week or $25 a month going into some investment that you can get your hands on if if something comes up. That's a very, very protective way to look at your financial situation as well. If you're not saving money for a rainy day and something happens, you have a blowout on the beltway on the way to work, how are you going to pay to get your tires replaced? Well, they're going to go on a credit card. And then you're going to start the debt cycle. Rather than starting the debt cycle, start the pay-yourself-first cycle, and then you don't have to worry about that.
3: It is a mindset.
4: It absolutely is.
3: We've got about 90 seconds left before we start hearing music. How would you like to wrap up today? I know Larry wanted us to talk about some things, and I know you would like to wrap this up in a neat little bow for us as well.
4: Well, the the, the message today is the economy is still moving forward. Mm-hmm. Inflation is low. Interest rates are still low. Corporate profits are high. It's still a positive environment to be an investor. So don't change course right now. If you've got questions about the investments that you have, if you're worried about what you're paying for those investments, or perhaps the level of risk that you're taking with them. Give us a call. We'll be happy to do an analysis for you. It doesn't cost you anything, and we're certainly not going to badger you to buy a bunch of stuff from us. That's not how we operate. A healthy tortoise. Uh, The economy is a healthy tortoise, and if you want to know that you are doing the right things for whatever your financial goals are, we're here to help.
3: And Again, talk us a little bit before we get to the end of the show, if you could, about what – is new at Rosenthal Wealth Management. Lots well, of things going on on the website. We touched over a couple of them earlier.
4: The the big thing for us, we're so excited about the new website. We've redesigned it. We've made it more user friendly. All of our clients' financial plan and and investment. Uh, portals. They're all right there on the front page. There's lots of of information for those of you who are researching and and looking for answers. And it also gives you the ability to request a consultation with one of us. Uh, Those first meetings are always complimentary to you. It gives you an opportunity to ask questions from our experts and make sure that you're on that right path.
3: Dina, I feel a lot better today after listening to you for the last 55 minutes than I did after watching all that television this week that just Seem to get me so confused about everything that's going on. And, you know, you get a bunch of people in a lot better looking suits than I wear talking about all the kinds of things that are going on in the world today. And you've really settled it down for us. So thank you very much.
4: It's good to see you, Bob. Have Have a great rest of the weekend.
3: You do the same. You have been listening to Making Money Sense, the Larry Rosenfall Show. Christina, please hang on the line. We'll get right to you as soon as we go off the air. For Kennedy in the back today. Yay, in, for the, in for the different job Bob in the back today. My name is Bob Jones, and for Dina Arnett, thank you for joining us today for Making Money Sense, the Larry Rosenthal Show. Keep this number in mind, 855-ROSE-123, Rosenthal Wealth Management.